What's up, Kyle? How's it going, everybody? This is Sarah. I'm tuning in from Rincon, Puerto Rico. Flew out here from the East Coast to try and chase some waves in warm water. I am currently sitting on the beach under a palm tree. No one in sight. Reading Blue Mind. Totally at peace. I love listening to your show. And you're right. Yeah, get in the water every day. It's healing. It has healing powers. Being around it, near it, in it. However you can make it happen, just do it. Sending love and peace to all your listeners and to everyone out there who might hear this. Thank you for sending that in, Sarah. I am happy that you are reading Blue Mind. I recommend that book to everyone. And the author, Dr. Wallace J. Nichols, has been on this podcast a number of times. He's one of those people who is calm to be around. He's calming. He when I when I hang out with him, I find that my shoulders drop a little bit and my breathing slows. So what an accomplishment that is. To be someone who has cultivated a kind of energy that makes other people calm when they are around you. Man, I'd say we don't focus on that nearly as much as we should in this society. Probably focus a little too much on resume building, but you could conquer the whole world and if you're still uh an anxious, shitty person to be around. I'd say you're unsuccessful. Uh, and turns out being around the water, being in the water, can help cultivate that calming energy. Uh, I was, um, I think, and you know, there are a lot of little tactics that I think we can implement to try and become more calm people. Um, one of the sponsors of this podcast, Mudwater, um, has certainly helped me do that. I had the founders of Mudwater on recently, and they said that you know coffee is great if you want to get from point A to point B. If you want to just grind it out and run a marathon or something like that, caffeine's awesome. But by and large, we consume way too much caffeine, and it makes it difficult to just sit still and think slowly. Uh, and I think that that's that speed of thinking and, you know, to be able to follow a thought from beginning to end without skitzing out, um, is something that a lot of very successful people cultivate. And, um, I found that as I've, uh, weaned myself off of coffee, those, that, those kinds of thinking patterns have, uh, become more potent in my life. Just the slow, long, creative thinking, um, and Mudwater has been a really great substitute for me um, to wean myself off of coffee. Mudwater has all the good mushrooms in it. Um, it's masala chai, cacao, reishi, lion's mane, turmeric. Uh, so if you want to give that a try, you can go to mudwtr.com and type in the code name KYLE10, all capitals, to get 10 bucks off your first order. And I will link to Mudwater in the uh, description below. Um, and I just met with uh, Andy McDonald, who you'll hear from shortly, and he was saying that he uh, has been using uh, using CBD a lot um, for inflammation. He said that it's gotten completely off of Advil, uh, and it's great that there are a few of these remedies out there, whether it be CBD or breath work or mushrooms that um, I see a lot of people using, and it it has a profound effect not only on their physical well-being, but mental well-being. Um, so it's great that I get to work with companies like Mudwater, like Santa Cruz Medicinals. They make all kinds of CBD products from olive oil to coconut oil to just straight up pain cream that you can put on your knees or your back after a workout. Uh, and it's, you know, it's non-psychoactive and it works really fucking well. Um, so if you want to get some CBD on your hands, you can get 10% off by typing in the code name KYLE10, also all caps, by going to scmedicinals.com. Andy McDonald is a fellow who I have known uh, for a number of years. We used to actually ride for Cliff Bar uh, on the same team. He skated for Cliff Bar. I surfed for them. Uh, and we hit it off right away. He's a very thoughtful guy, articulate, um, smart, just a shredding skateboarder. I went down to the um, local YMCA park in Encinitas right after the interview, and it was pretty crazy. It was like rock star status. All these little 11-year-olds came up to him and started asking him for autographs, and he dropped into the pool and was doing six-foot airs. It's highly impressive to see someone like that. 
Uh, he has been crowned skateboarding's world champion nine years, nine-time world champion, uh, and has competed in every single X Games since its inception and owns 23 medals. Uh, this bio might be old, so it might be be uh, even more than that. But uh, really, just a, a great guy, and I enjoy talking to him every time I'm in Southern California. Got a bunch of good podcasts lined up for you in the days to come um, in the L.A. area. So if you have guest recommendations, you can reach out um, on Instagram or on my website, kyle.surf. You can also send those little voice memos in on my website, kyle.surf, info at kyle.surf. That's where you can send those. Just record about a minute of audio. Let me know who you are, where you're from, um, something interesting, and I'll play it at the beginning of the show. Um, I also am doing more uh, emails. So if you want to get you know, weekly email from me with the best documentaries I've been watching, best articles I've been reading, um, all kinds of good stuff, uh, I'm going to start doing that more frequently, and you can sign up on my website, kyle.surf. And with that, I hope that you all have a great day. If you can get in the water, do it. Um, and yeah, I just uh, appreciate everyone out there for listening, and please welcome to the show, Mr. Andy McDonald. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Through a snowboard buddy of mine, Hagen Kearney, he's a pro uh, snowboard o- Olympic Olympic uh, border cross racer, and he's like, these guys are from Boulder. The um, CEO of the company is an ex Marine, um, Gulf War veteran. Um, started into CBD for um, PTSD, and like left the army or left left the military. Got his um, degree in extraction science and started extracting uh hemp for for farmers you know thinking like oh they just need the oil and then and then realized like i can sell this i can do my own deal and it just took off the company's growing like 200 percent every year yeah it's an amazing uh plant man I, I was in uh south africa four years ago and i met a guy in cape town um his name was tony budden and he was working on using hemp as a building material. So oh, it's super hu- good. Yeah, there's a huge housing crisis in uh, South Africa, obviously. Yep. And he took me down to this township where they were building houses out of hemp. It's in, it's, awesome. it's really amazing, man. Yep. When you start to dig into some of this stuff and you just you pull on this thread and learn more about the magic of plants for building for healing uh it's it's a very yep. interesting part of and, life that i'm just and, learning more and how about sustainable they are if you do it right yeah. right you know like you can't just plant the same crop over and over and over in the same spot like but if you rotate them then like they can help each other and you know you can you can literally like replant the desert yeah you know? like, <laughs> yeah do you know um, uh who michael pollen is no. You'd like him. Michael Pollan is an author. He wrote a book called The Omnivore's Dilemma. Uh, okay. And he recently re- wrote a really good one uh, called How to Change Your Mind, all about the medical applications of psychedelics to treat a number of mental ailments, uh, yep. PTSD, anxiety. Uh, but he's a very impeccable writer. Yep. You know, I think the problem with a lot of this stuff is you get uh, sloppy thinkers in, engaged in uh, some kind of magical narratives right, around right. what this stuff can do, and yep. they and then, it, and then it becomes like ooh ah. It's like easy. It's it's like you you know you go to the, yeah you go to the park and you did a five forty, but you have to tell everyone you did a nine hundred. Right, <laughs> right. Like ah, no, just just say what it does. Right, you know? right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, the thing for me is like I I've always been into to I mean uh, arnica mm. arnica Montana is a flower. And I've been using that, you know, as a as a 
teenager skateboarder, somebody introduced me to that, like, hey, at the health food store, you can get this stuff, Arnica gel, and put it on your sprained ankle, and it'll take, you know, the black and blue, and, you know, a sprained ankle will take three days to heal rather than a week to heal if you put it on there twice a day, you know? And so since I was literally 12 years old, I've been using, you know, homeopathic remedies for, you know, as a pro skateboarder, yeah. right? Um, and then uh, I learned about CBD and what it can do. And as soon as Hagen told me, like, yeah, they're using, you know, a CBD Arnica-based muscle cream, I'm like, sign me up. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm already doing the Arnica anyways. And um, they're psyched on it because I've always been, like, the anti-drug guy, right? Like, I'm, I've am i never token, taken a toke off a cigarette, never drank beer, any like, nothing. I'm like... You're a pro skateboarder and you don't do drugs right. and <laughs> drink beer. Um, so for them, it's just like there's there's all the stigma still, uh, amazingly enough, um, especially with how accepted it is and, and how far it's come. They're still like, oh, it's weed. You know, I'm like, no, it's not. Like you could you could use as much CBD as you wanted and it's not going to get you high. Right. There's no THC content. So what do, do you feel so. uh, any... Uh, difference in the way that you sleep or anything it, like that I'll, I'll do some temperature just like before i go to bed at night it'll help me relax help me helps me fall asleep uh, i definitely fall asleep faster now than i used to um i, I would you know i have three kids including a three-year-old <laughs> that's often up at four in the morning and um i would i would get into these like okay go like sleep like a navy seal like you gotta, you gotta go and i have this all all the anxiety about like okay now you have two hours to sleep go to sleep and right. i couldn't you of know course. Like, and so that'll, it, you know, the CBD, um, just the, the tinctures help in that regard. But mostly I, I treat it like rather than taking two Advil, I just, you know, rub some CBD cream on, uh, you know, or do some it's oils. They do, um, uh, you know, just just uh, gel caps and stuff now. And it's just super easy and so much better for you than popping Advil that's going to tear up your liver and tear up your stomach lining and yeah, and I get to not support big pharma. So, yeah, <laughs> so man, I think there's, it's, it. it's a real exciting time with uh, a lot of this, this new information coming out in podcasts around alternative remedies that can really help people because, you know, big pharma, our economic system, the bad incentives that are at play—they're going to take a long time to change. But you can sidestep all of that by making a couple individual choices yep. that can potentially allow you to live a decade or two longer <laughs> and live yep. a lot better yep. for those two yep. decades. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's whether it's just, you know, switching to a homeopathic or changing your diet a little bit, you know, taking red meat away maybe, you know, like it, did uh, you do that? Like, How, how's your I stopped eating shape? red meat when I was twenty one and it was before, you know, this was like when was I twenty one? Like nineteen ninety five or something. And it was like Eh, I just want to see if I'll, I'll miss it. You know, I grew up eating red meat, like, uh, you know, McDonald's hamburgers, like kids Bo in the 80s did, Boston right? Boston kid. Yeah, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and donuts. I used to go to Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I was all about Boston cream donuts. Yeah. So when I turned 21, I was like, ah, I wonder if, if I could do this. Just, like, see if I'll miss it. Um, so I gave up eating red meat and donuts <laughs> at the yeah. same time. And I think I miss donuts, but I certainly haven't... I haven't um, I haven't missed red meat. No, it's just just been like, you know. And then and then when I started to learn about the environmental impacts of of cows and raising cattle and just like I'm like why why? And then I went to India and I was like, this is awesome. There, yeah. there are no, yeah. the we, cows are sacred, so you don't we, have to worry about it. We pray <laughs> like, to them exactly. Yeah, yeah to um, tie to tie that whole idea back, I was listening to a really good podcast recently with a guy named Naval Ravikant, and he was talking about the issue with the Amazon rainforest uh, getting deforested. For to, to make cattle. way for cattle, right? And he uh, had an idea. He said, "Well, you know, the problem here is economic incentives. The the there isn't the incentive to not cut down the forest." Right. He said, "What if you got big pharma to buy massive swaths of the Amazon rainforest, which is where most of their medicines come from?" Exactly. So it, it it's an it was an interesting thought uh, to you know, kind of flip the the incentives um, and you could potentially save the rainforest from the bad guys with, with the, the bad, bad guys. guys yeah. to, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I think that comes down to the fundamental truth that it's not, they're not bad guys. It's, it's people who want to make money. Yeah. Um, and if you can do that in some kind of symbiosis with 
the planet, you can potentially make more money in the long term. Yeah. No, it's like it's like with renewables. Like, hey, we could we could live better and cleaner and more profitably if we invested enough in solar and wind, but it's still after all these years and how as much as we know about it, it's still having a hard time getting traction because it's still more profitable and easier in quotes to to use gas and oil. Right. You know, to to do fracking. And it's just like you're right. You have to change the the. It's just about money. It's just about the. You have to change the incentive. Mm. Um, you know, if 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 the the guys that are clear cutting to make way, clear cutting the Amazon to make way for their cow to raise cattle, yep. would be incentivized to to keep it, and it would be more profitable. They would do it in a second. Yeah. They'd be like, well, screw cows. They're not as profitable. Right. So, yeah, um, it's a big world. I love that you think about all this kind of stuff. It, yeah, I mean, I didn't always. When I was younger, I didn't. And like I said, like I stopped eating meat just to see if I could. And you know, I still go to In-N-Out Burger. I get a grilled cheese sandwich. In-N-Out's—that's <laughs> that's my Achilles heel. Everybody's like, "Oh, In-N-Out!" Dude, after a big yeah. flight, you come in, come into SFO. There's an In-N-Out. That's just <laughs> the golden, yeah. the golden arrow right there. Yeah. So. Um, I got a question for you guys. I was uh, watching some of your clips last night from Van's Warp Tour and uh, all of like all of these scenes, and I was thinking about how crazy it is that you get to perform in front of thousands of people. Like you have these, it's kind of like rock star status for these brief windows of time where you're on these ramps and there's thousands of people around you. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just last weekend, I was in Atlantic City, New Jersey for the 25th anniversary of the Warp Tour, and... I know Kevin Lyman that started the Warp Tour because I was on tour with him 25 years ago when he's like the first the first year I did like what four months we did two months in Australia we did a month in the states and a month in Europe on basically punk rock summer camp it was like it was very grassroots starting out there was there was thousands of people there but it wasn't like it is today you know 25 years later but we brought a vert ramp along and the whole the whole idea was like it's punk rock and it's skateboarding and and you know a band would play and then the demo would go and then a band would play and a demo would go and um we kind of like you know came up with a lot lot of these bands you know so I, you know, by the end of like the four summers of that, I was like, I don't want to listen to Bad Religion again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're set so many right. times. Um, but you know, we're we have our backstage passes, and we're on the bus with those guys, and just like we, you know, we, it's kind of skate skateboarding and punk rock have always gone like hand in hand. So it, it was neat. Uh, you know, pretty nostalgic just last weekend to be out uh, at the 25th anniversary and see a lot of those guys and. Um, Somebody, I, I had ran back to the hotel for something, and somebody came back like, "Dude, I don't know what band, but they were just giving you a shout out." Like they were like, "Yo, Andy Mac, this one's for you." And I was like, "What <laughs> band was it?" Like, "Oh, that's sick," you know. What bands um, did they have planned there? Um, Blink um, headlined, um, Bad Religion headlined, and then pretty much like anybody you can think of that's contemporary that can pass for punk rock was playing. Like there was four stages. Um, 25,000 people on the beach in, in, you know, along the boardwalk. And like you said, yeah, it's, it's very much like, you know, the, the only time you get, you get to skate in front of a crowd like that is like if you go to South America with Tony Hawk or something, you know, in Argentina, we do demos that are that big, you know, where it's just like the, all these people came to see skateboarding. No way. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. And is the tour, uh, culminate with a champion or how does the, how does that whole the, thing work? The, the warp tour is just demos. It's okay. just, it's just like for the thr- the thrill of, you know, yeah. Bring wa- a big wa- crowd out. Yeah. And have just a good watching time. people fly around. And so, so that was, that, that had always been just, just demos. Uh, in the middle there, they had like a warp tour, like the, you know, they expanded to like, they had a street area and they used to do like an amateur street contest that would qualify you for, you know, whatever, whatever the, um, I think maybe they did a contest cause I can't remember, man, it all blurs together, right. <laughs> but, yeah. but Vans for a while did like an amateur series. And if you won the, the year end amateur series, you get a year long sponsorship of Vans and stuff. Right. Um, do you feel a lot of pressure when you do, uh, Vans warp tour stuff? No, I haven't done it in years, and and certainly not for demonstrations. Like demos are like that's. I wish that I could just be like Tony Hawk and just do that for a living these days for skateboarding. Because after thirty years of competitive like skateboarding, like I I like competing, but it's still it's just like okay, 
you only get to do your banger stuff. You know, like you, you have to just go like the runs these days, your runs used to be longer, you know, runs used to be 45 seconds for like your routine. So you had more time in there to like do some, you know, transition di- different, stuff. different type tricks, even like you can call them setup tricks or whatever. But then, um, 10, 15 years ago, the runs got shortened to 30 seconds. So that's like basically 12 walls. So if you only have 12 walls, they better all be bangers. There's no setups. There's like you go down the roll in and you blast, and then it's got to go trick, 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 trick for 12 walls. Um, so what happens is you, you know, do you always you, you end up doing a lot of the same stuff at each of the same each of the competitions, you know, right. and it just gets boring because I, you know, and and in in a demo you don't have to like you can do a banger and then you can do like random foot plants and inverts and like older tricks and you know tricks you're working on it doesn't matter if you fall and it's just like a funner session because you know uh i'm I'm sure that's the same for you in surfing it's like if you're surfing in a competition like you got to get the gnarliest drop in and you got to hit the lip and whatever and if you're just dorking around with your buddies or you're just like doing it for fun you can like check it out i'm hanging 10 right (laughs) yeah 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 it makes sense um if you show up to one of those contests and let's say you're feeling like you wake up and it's like a four out of 10 of confidence, like, oh God, I do not feel good. And yep. you need to get to an eight before you drop in <laughs> to the half pipe, or at least you need to appear, you need to tell right, yourself right, you're right. at an eight. Do you have any kind of uh, process to get yourself up to that mental and physical level before you drop in? It, it's basically like you you try to get yourself there just through like put your pads on like you you go through the motions of like getting warmed up and getting ready for the competition oftentimes like x games is always televised right and it's always like not enough practice and you're always at the mercy of tv and often when it's live like um abc often does like a live you know um so it's like hurry up and wait you know like it's a lot a lot of, you get 15 minutes of practice get ready get ready okay now we're waiting because motocross guys are going or you know like we're waiting for a commercial and then okay go 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 you know like um so that part's stressful and oftentimes like i don't get to that eight you're talking about until like after my first run hmm. like i'll drop in and do my first run and i have, won't have be, you know like as i dropped in for my first run i'm still not even sweating like i'm just like not even really warmed up and then after my first run you know whether i make it or not it's it's usually because you're in competition you're trying to like get a solid foundation run first you didn't do your hardest hardest stuff right away um even in the finals like you have like a this is my go-to run and if i get through that now i'm going to step it up um so oftentimes i don't get to that level until after my first run now i have two runs left and now i'm sweating and now i'm warmed up and now the contest is going right do you know what tricks you're going to do when you drop in um you you know, f- some guys do, some guys don't. The majority of guys know exactly what their run's supposed to be, but there's definitely ad-libbing depending on how well the, the last trick went. You right. know, like if you rolled in and you were supposed to blast a big 540 and you bottom dropped and you were supposed to do another 540 on the next wall, you know, like you might change your grab, you might not spin that five, you might just do a flip trick instead, or um, it just it just depends on how, how it's going. You know the direction you're going, you know where uh, on the ramp you're supposed to be. So if, if the next trick's front side and you don't have your feet placed for your front side nollie heel flip, maybe it just becomes a front side error. Mm. Um, but you'll still do it front side. So you still land in this place in the ramp such that you don't ride off the ramp or get lost to right. the point where like, and that just comes with experience, you know? Well, you always do a big error on your first wall that you hit to gain speed. Um, most people do, especially like I was saying with only 30 second runs, like, you're rolling down the roll and most everybody starts on the roll in so it's like the cheater way to get get speed but some guys roll down the roll in and do a big lip side across the whole ramp and then blast mm-hmm. so exciting stuff man <laughs> um, and what would what would you say was the last trick that you did that you were really psyched to learn oh man um, lately i've been riding this boosted board in the the skate park Uh, you're getting back to the basics that's been been pretty uh, pretty fun just because you're riding a 16 pound behemoth skateboard Um, I I started working with boosted board guys like um, just the beginning of the year and it's very much about 
transportation. It's last mile transportation solution, right? You charge it for an hour, it goes 12 miles. So you jump off the bus, you jump off, you know, like especially in city living and I live in the suburbs. So I, you know, I still drive my car way less now because I can I jump on my boosted board, road over here to meet you and I'm going to boosted board down to the skate park right after this. Yeah. Um, it was, it was like this awesome technology and I was introduced to it like when they were, they weren't even a company yet. They were still like a Kickstarter. Uh, they were fulfilling their Kickstarter orders uh, in 2014 when I met them uh, at X Games and was like, this is great, but you only make longboards. Like you, this, this technology and this technology is amazing, but you took away the best part of a skateboard, so the do you, tail. Do you have a controller in your hand? Yeah, yeah. Okay. so it's a, it's a Bluetooth controller, remote, and then um, it's basically like, forward backwards you know like braking is, is, is backwards <laughs> and uh yeah the the smaller boards go 20 miles an hour um i have the the software upgrade so mine goes 25 miles an hour. <laughs> mine goes to 11. i well i heard that when the birds came out in uh venice you know the little yeah, scooters yep. they initially had them going way like faster, way faster yeah. and then they had to ratchet they put it down on them yeah this those things are super underpowered frankly like the they're China made just like for for millions and millions of units, right? Uh, just because they leave them on every corner, and you know, in Venice, people throw them in the ocean. It's terrible. Like yeah. people are so bummed on oh, them. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah the homeless yeah. guys bring them down in troves. <laughs> um, <laughs> From whence they once came. I, and I had I had never gotten on one, and I got one on I got one on, got on one um, not too long ago, and was like, oh, no wonder. Like these things are terrible. Like they don't barely. Like if you tried to go up a hill, they wouldn't make it up the yeah. hill. Like they're super underpowered. Um, so and, and I only weigh 165 pounds. Like I, if a 200 pound man got on one of those, I don't think it would even go. You know, it's just like yeah. Um, so yeah, Boosted just came out with a scooter, and it's like oh, dual did. drive. Like it goes 30 <laughs> miles an hour. Like it's crazy. Like <laughs> you're like whoa. These yeah. things are like. Um, well, but, I, they, but they're more they're an ownership model, right? So they're they're like you you take it with you. You you um, ride it to work. Um, so the same with the with the skateboards. Like a lot of people have just been commuting to work. If you if you live. 12 miles so you can charge it up at work whatever um mark maron has this you know the comedian uh he, he has this great bit about traffic in la and he's like sooner or later everything's just gonna stop at gridlock and people are gonna get out and just start walking they're right. like what are you doing uh, driving's over man right we yeah. had a good run <laughs> it's done run. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. I, th I think that a lot of these technologies boosted and uh, and a number of the other ones are uh, a the result of so much traffic and lack of parking. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I'll, I'll I usually have a boosted board in the back of my car, so I don't have to worry about like going down the beach. Like yeah, I'll park four or five blocks away because I can just jump on my boosted board and drop everybody off, and then go park and then jump on my boosted board, and I'm there in two minutes. Right. You know, like I gave I gave one to to Jason at Patagonia, and he's yeah. just he, he and he doesn't skateboard like he's a surfer, a kite surfer, like whatever. He told me the three times that he'd been on skateboards, he'd knocked himself out. So I was like, yeah. okay, we're gonna go easy. We're gonna three start on three. the we're gonna start on the low level. But he wrote me an email after. He's like, driving's been canceled, dude. Like, why would anybody try? These things are amazing. So, yeah, that's great, yeah. man. So are they your, are, are they your main sponsor now? Yeah, I, I work for Boosted Boards. Oh, great. I'm, I'm part of the marketing department. Amazing. There. So yeah, that's that's what's the newest in in my world these days. And uh, so I I rode it to the skate park uh, right when I first got on, and was like, hey, let me just try this in the bowl, you know, like just see what happens, and figured out that I could like actually throttle at the face wall and do airs on it and stuff and if you like, if you do an air and come down do you need to be throttling so, down no everyone freaks out like so you have to throttle just the right amount and i'm like no no no. if you're throttling like up or down transition you're gonna you're gonna whip out you're right. just like wow yeah um <laughs> and <laughs> so, i learned and i learned the hard so way sketchy, dude. <laughs> so I, learned, sketchy. I learned that real quick like the first time like zing and i just shot the board like 30 feet in the air like yeah. okay so don't throttle on the way up um yeah, it was just like dorked around fun and and uh, figured out like, hey, if you throttle on the flat bottom, you can like, so it worked better in pools. Like I took it to the vert ramp and it, it just doesn't go fast enough. It doesn't like you're, I think on a vert ramp, we do a six foot air, you're coming, you're probably going close to 30 miles an hour. And so I would hit the throttle and nothing would happen, you know. Um, but it's it's belt drive on, on the board. So you, there's always resistance. 
So if you drop in, you're not gonna. It's not just freewheel, and you're dropping in that 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 speed. Like you're slow. It's slowing you down because of the belt drives. So you you have to throttle hmm. across the flat. But it's been fun just dorking around tr trying to That's find great, like, man. that video you saw at San Jose. Like I'm, I'm like, I want to do an invert, but I have this remote in my hand and I had cargo pants on. So like I'm riding across the flat bottom. I threw the remote in my cargo pants and yeah <laughs> did an invert That's you know so like sketchy man i love <laughs> it and do you uh when you're talking about the vert ramp is that a vert ramp right around here in encinitas yeah i just tony's got a ramp in, in a warehouse up in um in vista it's like 20 minutes away um, and he lives this, in this, this neighborhood is, as well yeah yep um where we were at the at the fourth of july party the other night we were th we could see tony's house from the back deck like okay. we hit it with a rock um, right so he, the way I see it, Tony lives like up on the top of the hill, and we're all the serfs down in the, like he's the king at the top of the hill. Right, <laughs> we're just like the, the, peasants <laughs> the peasants down at the bottom of the hill. Come yonder, yes. <laughs> So he has he has a uh, ramp in a warehouse right near there. Yeah, Tony has a, a skate park in his backyard, just like little bowl and and some street stuff, and then. Um, Right after this interview, we're going. I'm gonna go skate the Encinitas skate park, which is another stone's throw from my house. And then, because everyone's like, "Why don't you have ramps at your house? You have all this land." I'm like, "Because there's, you know, within fun. 10 minutes of my house, you know, 20 minutes of my house, there's six competition vert ramps and bowls, and you know, like I live in. This is this is why I moved here from Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, I, I drove across the country and I got off in Encinitas on Encinitas Boulevard because at the time one of the three vert ramps in the country w was at the YMCA in Encinitas. So. Wow. And is that still here? Uh, they just took down the vert ramp. Wow. So the first time there's not a vert ramp in Encinitas proper. Um, now it's a mini ramp. I'm going to skate it right after this. Amazing. <laughs> it's brand new. But um, Monster Energy has a, a training facility in Vista. Um, Rockstar in Elliott Sloan's backyard has a big vert ramp and a, and a uh, mini big air, like a 30-foot jump into a 20-foot quarter pipe uh, kind of I can't believe that it's in his backyard, but it's a huge facility. Is Elliot Sloan um, a pro skater? Yeah, he's a pro skater. Um, and then uh, Tony's facility, and then another guy has a backyard vert ramp as well. So there's four vert ramps, you know, in Vista alone. <laughs> and then, wow. uh, and there then, was and Del then Mar. Mission, Mission Valley, where I do the Clash of Claremont okay. um, charity event that I do every year. They have the old Dutour vert ramp, so there's a steel frame vert ramp. Uh, only one in the country is there, and that's... Um, 25 minutes south of here. You know, uh, surfing just had uh, its first wave pool air contest. I, I might be wrong. At that. Was, that, was that in Austin? In Austin, that, yeah, yeah. It's called Stab High. Yep. And there were surfers doing backflips. There were probably, f I mean, half a dozen new tricks that surfers had never done. Yep. And all happened within this couple-day period. And uh, it was exciting to see, man. And, and it was one of the first times surfers started thinking like skaters <laughs> in the way that w we can now design our terrain. Right. You know, right. because the best best surfers are going to be able to come up with the best lines, you know, and, the, and they're going to potentially be the most innovative. Right. Skaters have been that way for a long time. Like, I'm sure yeah. if I gave you a blueprint, you could design a sick skate park. Yeah. yeah. And but this we're is, and this just the, catching up yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have the technology to be able to... Number one, the repetition, because yes. that's what that's what skateboarding's been since its inception. Like I'm just gonna try this a thousand times, and eventually I'll make it. <laughs> and in surfing, that would take you years, yep. because you got to paddle in, and you get first you got to find the spot, and then it's got to be the perfect swell, and then you got to paddle and catch the wave in front of everybody else, and then maybe you get one shot, and then you know. Dude, I can't tell you, you the amount of times I've gone out to try a new trick, learn a new trick, and I haven't even been able to try it. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, like, well, I'm never gonna. Try or you it, finally right, get man. a wave, and you're like, I don't want to fall on this wave. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's antithetical to innovation and yeah. a lot. I mean, yep, yep. No, I mean, and and, and it's, it's it's always been there. Like you know, Christian Fletcher was the first to figure out like I'm gonna do an air on my surfboard, and like that came from he was a skateboarder as well. And um, <clears throat> and people are just like ah, you, you know, like when he first started doing them, it's like that's a fluke. Like you, you know, once or twice, whatever. And now look at it. Like if you if you can't do airs on a surfboard, like who are you? Like you're not a pro surfer. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just the progression. And now the progression in surfing is just gonna like through the roof because I, I saw some footage of that event. And I'm like, oh, they're just making double ups. Like they're making the wave. Like you drop in, you pump, pump, pump. You get your speed, and then the wave just jacks up. It's like it's like in wakeboarding, you tell the driver you do this and you do a double up and drive across your own wake. And huh. when the two wakes hit called a double up and the two wakes jack up into this basically a launch ramp.
And oh, so in wakeboarding, right. they'll do a, a full circle. They'll do it, yeah. Well, you're like this. This is the line, like this cord right here. Like you're, okay. you're you're making your wake, and then you just and drive across your own wake. Like a loop. Okay. You just do a, a two seventy. The boat in front of you does a two seventy, and then you're over here waiting for it, and you just time it right, and you go over the first one, over the third one, and then the third one just goes, and you just you can go like three times as high as you can over the regular wake. Yep. And that's what it looked like. That footage from from that um surf contest was it was like they're just making double ups like the wit the wave is like it's making a small wave and then it jacks up and then right here everyone hits it in the same spot because it jacks up into this big launch ramp and and you can do a backflip because you have the wave to do it and you can try it seven times in an hour you know like yeah it's an exciting time to be a surfer it's pretty neat yeah you're gonna see a lot of um a lot of innovation coming in this next generation. Yeah. But yeah, get back to your point, like Christian Fletcher was a skater. Best aerialist in the world right now is a skater, John John Florence. Mm-hmm. He shreds. I don't know if you've ever seen him skate, yeah, but me, he's, he's me and, very me good. John, me, I met John John when he was like just coming on the scene and he was like 13 years old. He's only like he's, 15 now, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, 12 now. Um, uh, now he's probably 26 now, 27, 26. He, had, he and I met at a... Met at a um, an event that was like a crossover event. Uh, I can't remember the name of the event. Like it was, it was surfing, skating, snowboarding, like the, the, the best, you know, border event on uh, whatever. And it was sponsored by coast soap and John, John and I both rode for coast soap at the time. We had like, like, after, we had, like soap, like, like oh, you smell bad. Yeah. Get like, some soap. like we, we had body, <laughs> we had body wash, signature body wash. John, 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 John had a signature body wash. It was like Pacific rush. And it was like, and then mine was even worse. Mine was urban fuel. <laughs> like it smells like rector pads. Now you don't have to be a skater to, <laughs> to smell, smell like, like one. Exactly. <laughs> so good. Yep, they sponsored the event, so me and John John were there and signing autographs and whatever. And um, yeah, uh, it was just about the crossover of being, a, you know, an action sports enthusiast. You know, mm. I mean, like, can you snowboard? Can you, it was it would, then they then it would in over the course of a weekend, it was surfing, skating, and snowboarding up at Mountain High or whatever. Right. And they crowned the king of do board you, sports. Do you uh, are you into a, a bunch of other sports besides skating? I've been snowboarding because I grew up in New England. Right. I, I've been I got a snowboard the the year the winter I got a skateboard. I got a snowboard, um, like, and to date myself, my snowboard had like three fins in it. Like, didn't have yeah. metal edges. It was just like, and you couldn't do it really in New England. There was there was Stratton Mountain allowed it, and and uh, Stratton in Vermont and Attatash in New Hampshire. There was two mountains that you could do it, but you had to like get certified. You had to go up the lift with an instructor and show them that you could turn and stop. And like people were scared to death of snowboarding when it first came out. Um, so I tell people that like, yeah, I've been snowboarding for thirty five years, and. <laughs> They're like, oh, you must be good, but like, I only do it once a year, you know, like, right. like yeah. four days a year. If do I'm you lucky, go up to Mammoth? You know? um, I have gone to Mammoth, yeah. but now with a three-year-old, like, and 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 it's such an elitist sport now. Like, I used to be able to afford to snowboard, and I can't really anymore. It's so very it's, expensive it's, to go up there. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, e- even with all the hookups and you know industry hookups that I have, I can get free lift tickets and whatever. But it's still just like I've five people in my family like we can't afford a weekend snowboarding yeah <laughs> and you got the beach right here yeah it's just like um but it's beautiful it's it's amazing i love it i for my 40th birthday i went to alaska it's like dream bucket list trip you know and and did you go hella <laughs> yeah hella i went ski and Alaska. yeah yep um buddy buddy of mine um that used to work with red bull and used to be my manager he went with me and we're, we're very much he was a pro snowboarder for um airwalk and we were very much on the same like skill like ability level so we were both pushing each other like you know probably more than we should have been because i had no idea like i I knew that it was going to be gnarly but i had no idea the amount of gear that like okay so everyone's got their back yeah their backpack yeah yeah. you do the whole the the avalanche beacon and the training and all that and then the backpack that inflates and you gotta like activate your backpack before you go but then you also have um you know, you're walkie-talkie, so you can talk to everybody, and then you also have a, a harness. I'm like, well, hey, why we why we all have to have climbing harnesses on? Well, in case you fall into a crevasse and like get your 
dead body out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, well, so. uh, in big wave surfing, we do brag courses, big wave risk assessment group courses. And yeah. it's great. It's making the whole sport a lot safer. Just, you know, you do these one day courses where people learn how to all do CPR. They learn uh, basic hand signals uh, out in the water. You know, tap on your head. That means I'm okay. Wave in your arms. That means I'm not okay. And uh, Cole, Cole Christensen and Daniel Okuto, who are these two big wave surfers got the idea from uh the avalanche safety oh yeah uh courses that snowboarders have been yep. into for years yep yep yeah my my son's just finished his second week in uh junior lifeguards and i was quizzing him yesterday on like the hand signals like okay if you go out there and you do this what does that mean and it's such yep. a good program man yeah yeah it's, i mean and, and if everybody out knows all that like everyone can help each other Definitely. That, that's it. It's that's a it's a whole. whole language, and the more people out in the water that that understand that language, right. the safer you're going to be. Yep. Yeah. Do you feel like you're pretty level-headed when it comes to uh, risk assessment? Yeah. I mean, it, people have to understand that it's all relative. You know, like right. I, I get in this debate with people like you and Cole Christensen all the time. Like, you guys drop in on thirty-foot faces. Like, it's like, yeah, whatever. Like. And for me to drop, like, I drop in on a 30-foot vert ramp, like the, the big air ramp at X Games, and you guys are like, you're nuts, you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but mine's not going to crash on my head. Like, mine's stationary. Like, I can, and I can control, like, you know, how fast I'm going at it, whatever. And you guys just, it's moving. It's like this living, breathing thing. To me, that's crazy. And when it crashes on my head, it's going to hold me underwater or smash me against a reef or whatever. And and skateboarding, it's again, it's like <laughs> I might yep. fall off it, but that's it. Like it doesn't move after that. Yeah, like, but the <laughs> argument against that is that you move through water. You right, don't move right. through <laughs> wood or cement. cement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so it's all relative, right? right? Like so so I mean, in in my thirty five years of, of skateboarding, there's definitely like risks, but it's it's all calculated risk. It's mm. it's like I I know what I'm capable of, and I know that pretty much any situation I get myself into, I know I'll be able to get myself out of, mm. at least on paper, uh, <laughs> safely, you know, like, um, so, and, and the physics of it are like, yes, we're riding this, this 30 foot ramp, but there's 30 foot center radius transition that's going to catch me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm highest air I've ever done is 24 feet. So I'm 24 feet above a 30 foot ramp. The same as me. Show, yeah. See, <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> but, uh, but when you when you fall, you don't fall to flat, you know. Right. And Jake Brown did once and should have died, but he didn't. It's great. Uh, but generally, if you do, if you if everything goes sort of the way it's planned, you even when you fall, you're falling into this transition. You're falling onto this big slide that that takes all that energy and dissipates it, and you slide down this big big right. ramp. And the physics of that, like just like risk management wise, you know, I, I try to explain that stuff when I'm designing skate parks to like the city risk management assessment guy that's like, no, no, you can't make the ramp bigger than five feet because they're going to fall. And I'm like, no, but it, if you fall from five feet straight to the ground, there's nothing to catch you. Whereas if you fall from nine or 10 feet, you're falling into this transition that you're going to slide down and it, and it dissipates that energy. And, right. And the you physics know, of it work. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I the way, this is the way that I look at it. I have a few friends who are pro mountain bikers and they do the Red Bull Rampage. And it's gnarly those contest. guys are gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those guys get injured a lot. Yep. And you see a lot of big wave surfers who are still doing it professionally or semi-professionally in their 40s. Yep. And you're in your 40s. You're a vert skater. And I know that you're not the only one. So there is something to that. But then there are these other sports. Like, I mean, you probably know this better than... And I do, but like street skating, you don't see a lot of street There's skaters. Not, in not a lot quarters. of forty-year-old street skaters. There's a few, but they they're not known as the guys that jump down stuff, basically. But because right. you're right, it's there's only so much the human body can take. Um, you know, I I I give credit to wearing my I've worn knee pads my whole career. You know, I've always worn a, a, my pads and a helmet, and um, it's crazy to me. Like here, the Olympics are coming up next year, and helmets aren't even going to be required. In, as an Olympic sport, unless you're under 18, hmm. you know, and I'm just like, 
what are we doing, guys? Like, what kind of example are we setting? You know, wow. Um, in it's, in street it, or it, vert, you it, don't need to wear a helmet well, if you don't want. In park, and the the two disciplines in in skateboarding Olympics uh, in Olympic skateboarding this year, uh, you know first go around is is going to be park skating, which is like basically mini ramp, and there's some like eight nine foot do- deep stuff, but even still, like just and in street skating, like it should just be like if there's one contest. For the you know, in four years that you got to wear a helmet, it should be this one because that's the the one like four billion people are gonna see on TV and and say that's what skateboarding is because they saw I saw it in the Olympics, you know. Yeah. Um, that must and, be annoying. It's a shame. It's annoying. Yeah, for, that for must be <laughs> annoying for you. Also having kids and trying to set a good example for kids and then yeah. still seeing that helmets aren't yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, vibe well one day we'll get by it but unfortunately it's going to take you know somebody at the olympics hitting their head and you know all, all the you know football and all all the the concussion and the and the media around like people hitting their head you know eventually we'll get there but we're not there yet and it's it's a bummer but you know getting back to like longevity like i i really feel like you know because i've worn my pads my whole career I've I've been able to skate well into my 40s and and can still do it competitively. I'm going to the X Games this year and gonna be skating with all the teenagers. So <laughs> just great, like, man. Are you um, in the Olympics yeah. as well? No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, the Olympics again is street skating, oh, which I retired from years ago, and and park skating, which is like mini ramps and and um, and generally you don't wear pads. Like those guys, there's there's some of the girls wear pads. The guys, none of the guys wear pads. Most of them don't wear helmets, and and you know. Yeah. You can only jump off and run down the ramp so many times until your knees eventually are going to give out. So, right, um, you know, it's, it's bummer. They, y- they won't have as long yeah, careers. That is too bad. As- it, it's also interesting what you're just saying about the human mind. And, you know, this happened um, in Port Escondido. Uh, people didn't used to wear leashes there because you're less likely to break your surfboard if you don't have a leash. If you pull into a barrel and you're not wearing a leash, a lot of times your board will just pop out shoot the back. Out. Yep. Just shoot out the back. Um, but then uh, a guy got hit in the head with his board and drowned. Now everyone wears leashes out at Puerto. Yeah. Um, you know, y- you can take it even on the grander scale. You know, people didn't think that a massive uh, oil spill could happen or uh, a nuclear meltdown could happen yep. until it happens yep. on the grandest, grandest scale. Yep. Like it, it takes we're such visual people like right. we need <laughs> to see it on tv to really believe it yep and it's i think it's a a problem like how can you learn the lesson without it happening to you or happening in the worst way possible and then sometimes it happens and we still don't believe it like right. the Sound valdez was how many years ago and we're still just like eh, you know like yeah I'm, and you're like BP, it's, it's like, yeah, ah, that, okay, what? <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yeah. So it's just we're so dependent on it. I mean, that's a whole different category. But, but, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a shame that that it has to that it has to be such such the visual. You know, um, we've come a long way. You know, just as far as skateboarding's ex- acceptance, and and we'll get there with with head injuries. Like people are, are you know, like just in action sports, and it sucks to even talk about, but you have to. Um, uh, a, colleague of mine uh, on the BMX side Dave Mira um, killed himself uh, and and afterwards it was it was determined it was from years and years of hitting his head you know just like the you know Junior Seau and all the NFL guys you, like if you get a concussion and then you get another concussion it's not just like twice as bad it's multiple times as bad you know like you, you your brain has to have time to heal and when you hit your head over and over and over again it doesn't yeah you know? and, it, and it scars and it's no good how are you doing on head injuries um, I knocked myself out in, in the past, like maybe two months ago. It's hard to remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember this one because I, I, I comic relief from Andy Mac. <laughs> no, I, I just I still blame like certain slams on like I'll forget something. My wife will be like, "Why didn't you blah blah? Oh, it was that one time I slammed in the corner at the comedy bowl blah blah? Like you know, just like yeah. um, I still blame it. Like if I forget something, I just go, "Well, I, I skateboard. I hit my head a lot." Um, I, I hadn't knocked myself out like a legit KO concussion in years and years, probably 15 years, and I and I did recently, and I can tell you about it because I had I happened to have had set up my my camera. I was skating the warehouse by myself, and I set up my camera to try and film this line, and second wall I slid out, over rotated a 540, which is like basically the knockout. But when you when you falter your heels <coughs> in skateboarding, 
uh, you hit the back of your head. That's where your vision is and just knocks you out. So I over-rotated at 540, hit the back of my head, and then hit hard enough that I bounced up to the sitting position again and slid across the flat bottom sitting and then was knocked out, though, you know, like whatever. And, and I didn't know it until I watched the footage, but I slid across the flat bottom sitting and then fell forward and fell on my face just like, <laughs> like and I And I woke up. Uh, and my buddy was walking across the, the flat bottom of the ramp. I was in the warehouse by myself, but but uh, it was at Tony's place. And Mickey Vukovic works for the Tony Hawk Foundation. He said he heard me hit. He was working. There's a window that overlooks the warehouse, and he's working upstairs. He heard me hit and saw that I, that I wasn't getting up, and he went back to his work and then looked up again. He's like, all right, give him 30 more seconds. And then <laughs> I still wasn't awake, and so he, like, walked down there. And I woke up when he was, like, walking down. So I was out for a minute or so. <clears throat> and then when I woke up, he was just walking up, and I and I pretty much thought like, oh, I'm just, I just hit my head. I didn't knock myself out, but I'm like, I'm just like, okay, I'm good, whatever. And then I went like this and I was like, oh, I, why am I, why am I, why is my nose bleeding? I have a bloody nose. Like I must've hit my head really hard such that my nose is bleeding or whatever. And Mickey's like, yeah, I think you're done, dude. And I'm like, no, no, just see how I feel. (laughs) And Mickey's like, no, Andy, you're done. Like I I just walked over here. You were out. I was like, oh, I was. And then I went and got my camera and saw the footage and realized like yeah i knocked myself out and then i fell on my face and that's why i had a bloody nose. Oh, <laughs> shit, dude that was one of the worst ones and it was it was fairly recently it was just in the past i was beginning of the year wow that's a great story um, um let's wrap up here soon but i uh i wrote down a question that i thought would be interesting for you to answer what do you wish you would have focused on more and less of um in the last 10 years and what would you like to focus on more that's a, that's a weird way to phrase the question but you get that you get what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i the immediate like before you even finish the question the, the the immediate thought was the balance between being a professional skateboarder and being a dad being a husband being like having a family and people ask what's the best trick you've ever done in your whole career and i'm like it's that it's like learning that balance between being a professional and and being able to push my limits and and do everything that comes along with being a professional skateboarding and making a living being lucky enough that I can still make a living as a professional skateboarder and being the best dad and husband that I can be because they're there's you know if I look back I've been married 18 years there was definitely times in there where I wasn't a good husband because I was so focused on skateboarding and I was just like you know before before I had my first child, I was like, I gotta I I gotta make money. I was like, had this freak out where I was like, I gotta, you know, like I'm gonna have a child. I'm gonna have to provide for this child. I have to make money, and I thought I had to wake make like wet. diapers are expensive, you know, yeah. like, and it's not. I was just freaking myself out. But I was working. I was on the road ten months out of the year. I was just like traveling way too much, and that's not good for any relationship. Never mind if you're married or not. <laughs> this is before we had kids, and and I almost ruined my marriage because of it. <clears throat> Um, and you know, that was a huge learning experience just in, in like, there has to be a balance. There has to, skateboarding has given me everything in my life. Literally my, I've met my wife through skateboarding, my children, my house, my cars are all paid for because of skateboarding, but it can't be everything. It isn't everything to me because there's a whole lot more in life. Um, and it starts for me with family and finding that balance between what this, this activity, this sport, this art form, whatever you want to call it, has given me and um, enjoying all that it has given me, you know, and, and my wife and my kids and being a, a good dad. Uh, and, and, and being a good dad starts with being there, you know. and Pushing and them so, down the slip and slide. So, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just just being around for my kids. So I am I'm count myself super lucky these days because I travel way less. Uh, and I and I get to see my kids way more. I, I've, I've got to, particularly with my with my three year old, my thirteen year old, my boy. I was gone a lot, you know, especially when he was real young. Um, so I would come home and be like, "Oh my God, you're so big! Oh my God!" You know, like I, w- I would see him, but I'd travel for a week, and then I'd come home for two days, and I'd travel for another week, you know. And you just you have to be there every day. You have to see, you know, bring him to school and bring him to all those baseball games and whatever it is and it sounds like mundane and like cliche but that's really that's the crux of it is you just have to be there thank you for listening everyone you can get in touch with andy on instagram andy mac 720 shoot him a comment my guests love hearing from you um, i'll play you out a song called 
The Dunes by The Getaway Dogs. Uh, And I will link to their band page in the show notes. If you're a musician and you want your music played, email to info at kyle.surf. Also email uh, voice memos to info at kyle.surf. Super simple. Just record on your phone, record 30 seconds, minute of audio, and send it over. Info at kyle.surf. Um, also, I uh, am starting to do more emails. So the best docs I've been watching, articles I've been reading, all the weird shit that I'm into, I'm compiling and would love to send it. If you would dig that, go to kyle.surf. Um, there's a bunch of stuff over there. Products I use, um, blogs, videos. Have a good time over there. And if you want some mud water, if you want 10 bucks off, go to mudwtr.com, type in the code name KYLE10, all caps, get 10 bucks off, or go to SC Medicinals to get some CBD. SCMedicinals.com, type in KYLE10, all caps, and get 10% off. All right, have a great day, everyone. Go outside, get in the water, and go skateboarding. I went skateboarding right after uh, we did the podcast. It was like the first time I got on a skateboard in a year or something. And I had such a good time. I was so afraid with my broken arm. Uh, it's been a few months since I'm back. But uh, I love skateboarding. It's such a fun sport. I promise I'll go easy. I won't hurt myself again, though. All right. See you guys. Enjoy the song. Bye. The Getaway Dogs. See you later. Days they pass by 
Just what I looked like 